This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Fearlessly Failing. I am pumped because today's guest is, it's a little bit of a hippie kind of spiritual guest. We have the wonderful Annie O'Reilly, aka Tea with Annie. Uh, We actually met at Lego. We were both working for the launch of the Australian Lego Botanical Collection, which is all about mindfulness for adults and it's about creativity, joy and fun. But at the end of the first day, Annie's like, do you want to have a tea leaf reading? And I was like, uh, absolutely. And I was blown away by the reading. So we actually do a live tea leaf reading in this episode. It was only recorded about a week and a half ago in Sid, so it's a real fresh episode. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you, Annie, for sharing so much of yourself with not only me, but you guys, the listeners. I hope you enjoy this episode with Annie O'Reilly. Welcome to the pod, Annie O'Reilly. We only met 24 hours ago, probably to the minute. To the minute, I think, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, I am so excited to get into this really spiritual, I want to say, side of you, but I quickly want to talk about how we've met and because we, yeah, have only met yesterday officially, although we did have a little Zoom moment a week or two ago. We did. So we're both here for Lego in Sydney. Isn't that great? And your story. So two things I want to talk about with Lego with you. First of all, we're here for the Botanical Collection range and your knowledge of the flower. So we're making like adult mindfulness Lego and so we all make different flowers or a bonsai and your knowledge, you were telling me all about the Californian poppy yesterday, (laughs) daisies and fertility. Yep. How do you know all this about plants? I actually have most of my fluoromancy knowledge passed down through my Irish maternal bloodline. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, I told you I'd want to go straight into this. <laughs> this is the really amazing, like, stuff that I'm so excited about. Okay, let's do it. Let's just dive in. Yep. Um, and head, we'll go come back to the Lego stuff because you've got an incredible story about your relationship to Lego, Lego as well. Yes. So talk to me about the plants, the flora knowledge and where it's come from. All right. Cool. So when I was a little girl, my mum kind of tried to dissuade me from my family history because it's such a interesting and also kind of difficult job. But I come from a line of tassiomancists and floromancists and beautiful Irish herbalist witches in, you know, in the centre of Ireland. So I grew up in this this world of beautiful spiritualism from a from a different kind of folklorey sense. Oh, yeah. mate, you're speaking to all my dreams. If I, I, My boyfriend and I love watching kind of, I want to say fantasy, but like that kind of folk where there's a lot of folklore and those pagan weddings where the hands are bound together yeah. and all that. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And he's like, you're weird, Lola. But um, <laughs> I digress. I didn't know until I really researched you last night that 
It comes from Irish folklore. Yep. So a lot of the symbolism and semiotics that I have learned and that I've been practising for the last 20 years comes down that line and has beautiful roots in Ireland and in Scotland within my family. And are you, is this eight generations? It's eight generations that we know of, but we think it goes back further. It's just eight generations that have been passed down in stories. Wow, Um, dude. Oh, you lucky bugger. So you didn't even have a choice in the matter, did you? Well, my mum wanted me to get a real job and I tried really hard. I I promise. I went to uni, I got my degrees and my heart just always came back to my practice. So when I met you yesterday, I was like, so how long have you been reading tea, tea leaves for? And you were like, oh, 20 years. And I looked at you and I was like, hang on, she's definitely younger than me. And I was like, sorry, sorry, what? And you go, yeah, 20 years. Are you like 10 or 11 or yep, something? Yep, I started when I was 11. Wow. My mom actually started when she was seven. But oh. it, it, I was a bit late. Apparently I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> and my daughter, she started at two. So it's just something that's inherently in our being, I oh, think. Oh, Wow. Sorry, if you can hear me kind of like stepping off the mic, that's because I'm sipping tea (laughs) that Annie will read later. So get your earbuds ready because I had this done yesterday and... Literally, I was like, whenever I'm going to get, definitely be working or doing something with you or I don't know what, but we're going to, I'm pumped, dude. Okay, so pass it down through maternal bloodlines. Mm -hmm. So at 11 years, I'm fascinated. So was it? like learned or was it intuitive? Like did your mum kind of or your Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both. So okay. I secretly used to often sit outside the kitchen door and listen in on my mum's readings because she was always reading at our kitchen table and we'd come home from school starving and <laughs> not course. be allowed to go in the kitchen because there would always be someone in there experiencing, you know, the art of tassiomancy and, and learning about their next 12 months out of a teacup. So I listened a lot and I read all of the journals and my mom published a book when I was young too, which is like a dictionary definition kind of system of how to read cups. Ah. It's a really beautiful book and, and I'm currently in the process of reworking that. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, you've got a book in you for sure, dude. Yeah. For sure. Like promise me you do that. Yes, definitely. Right. So we've got all of these beautiful definitions that have been passed down in our family and when, when you see them, over and over and over again, you really develop a love of the symbols and the ability to tell any kind of story based on the pictures that appear. In the teacup. In the teacup. So for a novice like me, so for someone listening going, okay, what does it involve? So at the moment you have brewed me a beautiful cup of your own tea. So we're <laughs> having, talk me through the tea we're having today. So today you're having an English breakfast with jasmine and safflower. It's delicious. And yesterday I had Yesterday you had rooibos. Joya's blend. Yes, it's rooibos with hibiscus, roses and um, calendula. Yes, that's yes. right. Skin loving. I love yes. calendula for skin. And we're having it in your beautiful teacup and saucer, the solar plexus. Yes. And there's one for each chakra. Yes. So I'm going to put all the show notes in here. You can see my brain is getting so excited and I'm like <laughs> jumping around. But just so you know, um, so listeners know, so uh, if someone comes to you for reading, they'll drink tea yep. with you and then you will read the tea leaves. For, is it usually for the next 12 months? For the next 12 months. I love to give everybody a really specific forecast. So my goal is, you know, time binding. I want to be able to show you things that will actually appear in that 12 months. 
And you've told me so many stories of people being like, I came to you a bit like negative Nancy, not negative Nancy, but like <laughs> I don't believe you, all Skeptics. this. Yep. Skeptics, that's a word. And then they call you up and they're like, so Annie, everything you said happened. <laughs> and were there any kind of like wow stories where you were like, yep, called that? Oh, I have to write a book specifically about the stories that people have told me. Wow. So I've seen amazing things like emergency plane landings and um, beautiful lovers kind of emerging out of oceans as triathletes and people buying houses and people overcoming the most incredible health stories. Literally anything is possible in a teacup. And I, I, you were telling me yesterday there were a few fertility stories that you've totally yes. picked and people, those women are like, <laughs> oh, and, and we all had some readings together, a few of us, and there were a few stories that were coming up and I was like, oh. and it was really interesting. Yesterday you were reading someone's tea leaves and I was watching and I was innately called to help that person. So something came up in a teacup and you were like, hey, just be, you know, like Mm -hmm. look after that part of yourself. And I was like, oh, I've got to teach her the natural way that I do it. Yeah. And and it was so interesting that I, like it was a very. You picked up on the vibe. Yeah, as did you. You and I were both Mm -hmm. straight away like there are so many more natural options, my friend. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so. So pumped. I could go in so many different um, <laughs> angles for this. So I just want to talk a little bit more about your heritage because yep. you have this beautiful combination. So it's half Irish and half Italian. Yes. Because to me, I'm uh, dating an Italian and he's very, oh, my God, I dreamt about that person and then I saw them and he's, he trusts mm-hmm. his intuition so much, as does his mom. And, and so I feel like that Italian culture almost like – supports it your natural gift. It definitely does. So the best way to describe it, my dad, who is not in my bloodline, learned from my mum how to read cups and he is one of the most spectacular cup readers just through observation and practice. And also, you know, he gets a bit of spook from his Italian side too. Right. Yeah, because there is a lot of the dreaming that comes through that family and whilst I do focus all of my energy into cups, I do have really spooky dreams too that happen to appear every so often. Yeah, I feel like I've only hit the tip, the tip of the <laughs> iceberg with you. Would you say that it kind of comes under the realms of a little bit, like I know when I saw you read yesterday, you use your, like it's almost like something's channeling through. through. It feels yeah. like that to watch. Um, but would you say there's like an element of psychic to it or is it more specific to tea leaves? I, I refer to myself as a translator. Oh, I like that. So I'm a translator of imagery. I understand the imagery. Occasionally I get beautiful messages and and voices and say things that I don't understand where they've come from. My mouth just opens and words come out. But in a sense it is translation and it's a lot of practice and study and and so it's something that anybody can learn as well. It just takes time. And you teach people, right? I do. How cool. I'm jealous I don't live in Melbourne right now because I would have 100% booked in to learn this. I'm like that girl that studied Reiki, crystal Mm -hmm. healing. And so, yeah, this really resonates with me. And that's why literally, guys, at the end of our work gig yesterday, we were both pretty exhausted. And I was like, do you want to jump on the pod tomorrow morning before (laughs) we have to do a mega work day again? And you're like, yep, I'll see you there. So I appreciate you sharing so much of your heart and time here. Um, I've got so many, yeah, my little brain is like buzzing right now. What happens if something comes up in a teacup that feels like a warning sign? 
So with a teacup, I'm always truthful. I don't leave anything out. But I've learned over the last 20 years how to communicate things in a really positive way. So the idea is when you're reading tea, you know, no one dislikes tea. And even if you dislike tea, like, for example, I really dislike tea, it's revolting. (laughs) But but there are other things you can drink that still give you that happiness and that warmth. So I love herbal blends. Yeah. When you are drinking a cup of tea, there is not a moment in that space where you feel unwell or sick or sad or miserable or angry because it's such a positive experience. So with the physics and the science involved, it's not really science, but I like to think it is, you know, energetically we're going to get a really positive interpretation because we're dealing with your subconscious on such a heightened and positive level. So, yes, sometimes, occasionally we get negative symbols or warning symbols, but there is always a positive way to communicate those symbols. And because it's a teacup, you know, you can change things. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not set in stone. So yeah. if your cup says, you know, be careful, be careful. Mm. And you can adjust how things unfold. Yeah. And I even I think yesterday I had a ter- little tombstone in my mm. reading and I kind of liked it because the way you described it as a closure of something. Yeah. Like maybe the end of a contract or the end of a project or yeah. something like that. And I was like, oh, and I called my boyfriend last night. I was like, oh, so in September something's going to be fully <laughs> wrapped up and done, just so you know, and he's like, awesome. And, I, yeah, I just think it's so nice to hear you describe that because as someone that has now experienced this from you, I love I love the way you read the leaves because I felt very safe and Thank you. nurtured and, yeah. Thank you. That's really lovely. No, no, I just, I, I really felt like that. Okay, so I did some research last night. I was like, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of Irish folklore. Yeah. And kind of like where this all began. And I was like, oh, this is a great. Is it true that it is bad luck to get a tea bag, cut it open, pour it in? All right. So with superstition and bad okay. luck, okay, there are all kinds of beliefs. And I was really lucky that RMIT let me do a master's in tea leaf reading. So I got to go and study all of the practices, all of the superstitions, all of the folklore. And I discovered through all of that, that all of those superstitions are only up to the person. So, you know, there's no right or wrong at all in what you are doing. There are a few guidelines and there are some beautiful symbol, like symbol-based systems, like, you know, turning your cup three times anti-clockwise to form a circle or, you know, but if you're desperate, you can cut open a tea bag. It's not going to be the yeah, end of the okay, world. Right, right. <laughs> it's just it's up to the reader and it's up to the person that's being read. It's about what makes you comfortable. So when I practice, it is purely about your comfort and the thing that makes you happy because that's going to give you the best reading. Totally. Also, a lot of that superstition when I was researching, yeah. for instance, you know, three times anti-clockwise, stems from the gypsy heritage of cup reading and it was a way that gypsies could ensure that repeat business when they were practising. So, you know, you'd occasionally kind of pretend to curse somebody if they didn't follow your instructions. And a lot of those superstitions come from trade and the practice of ensuring your trade. And that's okay. It's just not something I would do. Yeah. (laughs) It's meant to be fun. Totally. No, no, totally. When you were studying all over the world, because you were saying you studied in Turkey. I did. Was there anything where you were like, oh, my God, how am I here right now? Was there any, like, pinch yourself moment? I had the most amazing experience in Turkey with all of these beautiful women that 
had all of these separate lives and worked, you know, in religious spaces or ran different restaurants and they'd all come together in the morning and read their coffee cups. And because cup reading, it's not just tea, it's coffee, it's red wine, it's hot chocolate, it's whatever you've got that leaves a mark and you can read it. And through, you know, the culture within Turkey as well, it's so normal to read cups. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's just everyday practice. Yeah. Well, um, I was based in LA for a little while and there's a... I think it's either I think it's a Spanish candle shop and you buy these long these really tall kind of like altar candles in different colors with different like spiritual people printed on the side you go they tell you you go in you're like oh I was like I'm going through a rough breakup and they're like okay take this burn Mm -hmm. it you cannot let it go out Oh, wow. It has to burn for like eight days straight. So every time I go to a yoga class, I'm like, I'm going to burn down the Airbnb. I'm going to burn down the Airbnb. <laughs> anyway, you take that candle back in once it's burnt out. They read the bottom of the wax wow. and prescribe you a new candle okay. or tell you you're here, like, no need, that's done. And I was addicted. Like, they got so much business out of me. I was like, I feel like I need one for career and for love. And so, like, there was, but it's this massive candle shop in. Yeah like West Hollywood in LA and it is busy with people and it feels like it's kind of that same. It is. It stems from geomancy. So What's tassio- geomancy? Well, tassiomancy is the art of reading cups but geomancy is the foundation of a lot of these practices of the mancies and geomancy is the art of reading the earth and the sky and, you know, the, the energy around you, the world around you. So you take those practices, you put them in a teacup, you've got tassiomancy. You take them and you put them in cards and you've got cartomancy. So really it's about reading symbols. Cool, man. Yeah. What a cool job you have. Yeah. I love, I love reading things like fire because uh. you can have a beautiful fire and see symbols within that and that's pyromancy. So really the skills related to tassiomancy or geomancy are transferable amongst the different mediums. I totally would feel that. Like I feel like if I bought my candle to you, you'd be like, let's have a geese. Well, I'm also secretly obsessed with Harry Potter. So occasionally I run Harry Potter functions and and we read wax. So you burn your candles, you put them in the cauldron and you can read the symbols that form in your cauldron as well. My boyfriend who's going to be editing this is the (laughs) biggest Harry Potter fan. Like we we live in Byron Bay now, we've just moved and um, I walk really early in the mornings at the lighthouse and I'll be like, boss, I call him boss. I'm like, guess what I saw today? And he's like, a Nagini? Because <laughs> he's like, because I'm upset. I'm like, I want to see a snake, but I don't want it to hurt me. So I'm like, I hope I get to see a Nagini from a distance. And then we have like Harry Potter lingo in our household and people literally look at us like, what are you saying? So yeah, we're, we're Harry Potter. My boyfriend is the bigger nerd, but mm-hmm. I have absolutely joyfully jumped on board the Harry Potter train. And I had a guy on the podcast, an, an actor that was in a movie with his name, the actor's called Joel Jackson, but he was in a movie with Daniel Radcliffe. And I was like, oh, my God. That's so cool. What did you do? And he was like, literally, I, they were filming in South America. It's like every now and then I'd pick up a stick and be like, I think I found my wand. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, nerd burgers all around. Yep. Which, fabulous people. Yes, totally. Um, and I, I'm going to tell you another show that you need to watch. I know it's to, totally off topic, but as I was researching you, you would totally love the show I was telling you about yesterday, The Witcher, which is on Netflix. It's on my list. Is it? Good. It's on my list. Good, good, good. Just because it's very esoteric. Mm-hmm. And I think. Right up my alley. Yeah, I yep. think it's very up your alley. I'm obsessed <laughs> with it anyway. Uh, and they're filming season two in London at the moment. Okay, I'm just checking. I haven't missed anything here before we touch on. Um, 
I just want to hear the Lego stuff. Yeah, because I found all this cool stuff about you because I went down the Lego Masters at 10 p.m. I was thinking I sent you a photo of being like, guess yep. what I'm watching. <laughs> so you were on Lego Masters Australia season two. Mm-hmm. And you went in to compete with your friend Runa. Runa. And um, I had a look. I've never watched Lego Masters before last night. I had a look at the stuff you created. Holy moly. <laughs> Honestly. Thank you. Incredible. These flowers must feel like a pinch to you that we're doing in our Sydney oh, launch. I, st- I still love the flowers. They're gorgeous. <laughs> but, yes, I've, I've been a massive Lego nerd since I was about 15. So- Share your Lego story. Okay. When I was 15, I had a brain infection and I suffered about 29 massive seizures that lasted 10 minutes at a time and I lost a year and a half of my memory, more than well, more than that, more like three years, and I'd bite my tongue off. It, they told me that I wasn't going to live very long, basically, because they had no idea why I was sick or why I was having these 10-minute long seizures. And so I couldn't finish high school. I couldn't really function as a human being. Um it, it sucked. But one of the things that the hospital kind of suggested was that I play with Lego because I couldn't really read or write anymore. I'd lost those abilities. So Lego instructions were the thing that got me back into cognitive function, really. And they gave me something to do from a hospital bed because when you've had a seizure and you feel like you've been hit by a truck, you can't move. And I was having them every two weeks, which is tough in year 11. Yeah, right? and you're so, figuring out who you are. Yeah, and... and so I missed all of that. I don't remember any of it. Yeah. So I had Lego and so then naturally my mother just kept buying me lots of Lego and my whole bedroom was lined with police stations and Harry Potter things and all of this beautiful stuff. And I had this skill set and a love of these beautiful coloured bits of plastic. <laughs> and then when I was 21 I decided to leave home and start a new life in Melbourne because I'm originally from Perth. Yeah. So I got on a plane and disappeared from Perth, started again, to escape that label of the sick girl because in Perth everybody tiptoed around me because they weren't sure if I was going to have a seizure at any point because I never got an official diagnosis. Yeah. It was idiopathic epilepsy. We don't know why. Mm. So I I started again. And when I landed in Melbourne, I landed in Mooney Ponds. Yeah, right near me. Beautiful little space. And there was a Lego shop there. Really? There was. And so I scooted into the Lego shop, 21, on a scooter. It's still there. It's not anymore. Isn't it not on? There's something on Union Road. Maybe it's more of a gaming shop. Yeah, this one one was tucked away on Hall Street. Okay. And I scooted in and I said to the owner, Hi, I've just landed here. Can I please have a job? And she said, Sure, of course you can. In a Lego shop because that's where I wanted to work. So I got this great little casual job in a Lego shop working with Lego education, teaching kids science and math and robotics with Lego. And I did my, the rest of my studies whilst I was working here. It was, it was fabulous. Mm. And then through that community, I got involved in the, the Lego community, the adult fan of Lego community, otherwise known as AFOLs. <laughs> Some people call them AFOLs as well, but that sounds inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> So I became part of the Melbourne Lego user group and I got involved in the National Lego Convention, which is enormous. We fill the Royal Exhibition Building with Lego with 300 builders and 20,000 people walk through the door each January to see Lego models. And I grabbed hold of the microphone and I became the person that welcomed people in. Mm. And through that experience, I developed such a love of 
free building and the things you can mock, which stands for my own creation. Right. Also, you're making it. Yep. So a, a yeah. creation that is not from instructions is called a mock. Got it. And there's all this fabulous lingo involved in the world of Lego. And then through that, Lego Masters became a thing. Yeah. And season one came around and they asked me to be on that one. And I said, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and when season two was there, it was just the right time. Yeah. And I got to go on with Runa and Runa and I bonded at Brickvention, the, oh. Le- the Lego convention, because she won the event and she'd had a brain tumour. Oh. And we bonded over the fact that we both had brain trauma. Yeah. And we both liked Lego. Yeah. And she's a scientist and I'm a psychic and we thought, great. Let's yeah, because you were opposite energy, but it worked. Yep. When I was watching and fangirling over you last night, Thank you. it was it was <sighs> such an amazing experience, and I would not have done it with anybody else. She was the perfect partner, and our ideas worked. And you know, she had a bit of spook that came in too. So that first episode where we had to build a whole new world, yeah, she looked at the island and went, "Oh, it, I feel like it's a turtle," turtle and yeah. the spiritualness came out of her. And turtles are so spiritual they as are. well. And then we had the whole symbology and the story running through that build mm. and it was fabulous. It was so much fun. Oh. And because we were the first knocked off, it was not stressful. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a great time, a great experience. I made amazing friends. Yeah. And then there was no stress. Oh, so good. Thank you for sharing that because I, yeah, I felt like I was missing that piece of your <laughs> puzzle because yesterday we met and they were like, and he's a Lego expert. And I was like, okay, woo, all right. <laughs> yeah, why is she a Lego <laughs> So it's not, well, it was just more like, okay, make the space. Make the, and, I, and so it was so nice to kind of like, um, yeah, and hear how Lego has almost had a medicinal role in your journey as well. I've heard you in another interview talk about fairy bricks. Yes. So can you explain what that is? Fairy bricks is an international charity that supplies Lego to children in hospital. That is their key goal. Mm. So when you're, and I wish fairy bricks had been around when I was in hospital because yeah. that's something that, you know, I would have benefited from then. I naturally did. But now because it's such an official program and is supported by Lego internationally and I've been fortunate to be a part of one of the deliveries, which is fabulous, mm. it's something very close to my heart. Mm. Oh, it sounds so cool. It sounds, uh, it just Sounds like it's meant to be. Like, it is. Yeah, and I'm just pumped that as an adult I get to enjoy Lego too now. Yeah, well, now we can because they've worked out that Lego is actually for grown-ups. <laughs> totally, but you can feel yesterday even like how mindful like every. I was like, do we get them to have food now, the guests? I'm like, but they're so in the zone. Yeah, we're still building. Yeah, and my favourite thing you got us to do at the very start was uh, like a mindfulness exercise around holding a piece and then doing a little visualisation mm. And it was so funny hearing people's responses. Some people's like, I built a brand. Like, so you'd hold a little piece of Lego that was probably part of one of the flowers. And a lot of people had, you could see people had more scientific brains versus creatives. And it was so interesting. And, yeah, someone's like, oh, I just pretended there was another piece or I I added, some people were pattern-based and would see more of the same pattern. And then... Old mate over here, I was like, oh, this became a king with a crown and then I had this whole story going and then I enjoyed it so much that in the second group I just pretend like because I wasn't participating I was watching I was like, oh, pretend you've got the Californian poppy um, petal and neck minute I could see a lion eating an orange That's in a awesome. cape. <laughs> the visualisation component, that's what makes you a master builder because if you can take a piece and visualise like that, you can actually turn it into a model. 
Ah. It was just so fun. It was a really fun way to practice mindfulness mm. as someone that's got quite a busy mind. Yep. It allowed me to feel comfortable using that busy mind. You know? Well, you can see how creative you are. A lion eating an orange wearing a cape. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Dr. Doolittle on the plane down. So I was like, Is it, am I really in the lion mode? Because I've been watching it. Okay. I feel like it might be time to have a little reading Fabulous. of this. So while this has been going on, um, Annie made me a tea and I've been sipping away on this tea and it's delicious, by the way. It's the first time I've tried your English breakfast. Mm. Is that what it is, English yep, breakfast? it is. Uh, go for it, my friend. So let's have a look. Oh, I've got oh, the teas yeah. again. The you do. This tells us, you know, sensitivity when we have beautiful tears in a cup. So my, that means little drips. Little drips, yeah. And my great-granny used it as encouragement to drink more tea because there was the belief that you know, if your cup is, is crying a little bit, it hasn't showed you everything that it can. So you need to drink more and get more pictures. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But so this good. is really interesting because can you see the heart in your cup? We'll have to take photos of oh, this. Oh, where? Show me, show me. Look at how oh, perfect yeah. the heart is. <gasps> All right. Fun. Yeah, okay. So yesterday yeah. when we were speaking, I was talking to you about the whale and that house that was on the back of the yeah. whale and your migration Yeah, and having this ability to travel around the world and live in different places. One of the things that didn't come up in your cup was the family imagery. Yeah. That's in this cup. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So <laughs> it's cool. talking about families, yeah? <laughs> when we look for imagery in a cup, you know, we pretend that we're five years old and we're looking at clouds. Yeah. And things don't have to be perfect. They just need to give us a sensation yeah. or a, you know, a guide as to what we think it is. So here, what's the first thing that pops into your head when you look at that picture? It's the heart. It's the heart. But can you also see an animal? I feel, okay, so I can see like a dragon thing flying across the yeah. top. And can you see a duck in here? Yes. Yes? Yeah. So your heart is a duck? Yes, I see yeah, that. You can yeah. see that really clearly? Yeah. A little duckling. <laughs> so hearts in cups, when we're partnered, they tell us that our love is in a really good place, right, when yeah. they're solid and, and gorgeous like this. And when we're single, they can tell us that, you know, love is coming to us, but we know you're in a lovely relationship with the boss man. Yes, right? that's right. <laughs> when we turn it side on and we see the duckling, yeah, ducklings traditionally are a symbol of new life. Aye. Right? <laughs> and ducklings tend to represent baby boys entering our circle. Awesome. Okay. So here within your heart we have the potential for a baby boy. So should you wish to pursue that? Because I believe that all of these imageries, they're, they're a choice, right? Yeah. This imagery is a choice. But you've got that symbol there waiting for you. Yeah. Right? Cool. Now time-wise, it's an overriding image. It is not time-bound. Yeah. But the guide is kind of sitting around that six-month point. Yeah, I saw I noticed that. Yep. Yeah. So we know that there's the moving stuff. We know the career stuff was in your cup yesterday. The family and the love stuff is here now. Yeah. And then at the top, we've got your rabbit. <sighs> yeah? And your rabbit is about doing it like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love this. My boyfriend's going to be like, oh, my God, Lola, you told me yesterday it was all about, like, having properties in different parts of the world. <laughs> well, it's that too. Yeah. This is just the next stage. So, yeah. you know. It's beautiful. And then from, you know, going back to the career stuff, can you see this amazing frog that's yeah. leaping into your cup? Yeah. Like it's literally jumping into the air. Its legs are extended. Yeah. You know, it's flying into your cup at this three-month point. Because when we're reading cups, 
we can get a 12-month picture based on the position of the handle. So we're able to tell time like yeah. a clock. And here at your three-month point, your frog is leaping. And, and frogs symbolically are very much a metamorphosis image. Right? Uh, yeah. But then we've also got the element of leap. Yeah. Because this frog is jumping headfirst into its next project. So at three months we've got, yes, that dramatic metamorphosis, but the also, you know, also that element of jumping in. Cool. Yes, and you've got lots of gorgeous dogs through your cup, all with extended yeah. necks, yeah? Oh, yes, we're getting it. We want to get an Italian greyhound, which okay, has very long, long necks. Neck? Yeah. All right. So can you see this little dog here yes. with a really long neck? Yeah. Oh, this makes me very happy. <laughs> so dogs represent, yes, literal dogs, and they also represent beautiful friendships. So, yes, there's this lovely kind of dog in here with a very long neck <laughs> sitting around your four- to five-month point. Perfect. Right? And the other thing that we can t- we can say about friendships is that you've got friends either putting their neck out for you, right, willing to, to put you forward because they're yeah. putting their necks out, but also sometimes being a little bit inquisitive and asking for extra information because yeah. they're curious and they're yeah. looking around. But friends are extremely loyal when they appear as dogs in our cups. So we know that they're long-standing relationships. Uh, it's so interesting that's come up today because yeah. I was talking to one of my besties last night. Mm-hmm. And your heart's really solid. The other thing that your heart kind of looks like, which I don't think is for you, I'd say it's more for your partner, is a tooth. Mm. So teeth, when they appear in cups, they can represent income. Oh, yeah. Because yeah? teeth. The concept of teeth falling out in a dream is about money coming to you. Yeah. So it's a very old image, you know, 200 years ago definition. It can be about money coming in. And the other thing teeth can be about is literally going to the dentist. So it might yeah. be a dental trip in six months. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But, yeah, looks like a back tooth. Cool. Yeah. It all makes sense. Mm. And then in here you've yeah. got this lovely little picture of a person doing that kind of achievement fist in the air. Yeah. Yeah. The come on sign. Yeah. So that's a that's a nice win at your nine-month point. Great. What is this little guy here? There's like one little lonesome. Ah, this is really interesting because sometimes we're drawn to elements of a cup and we're not quite sure what they are. So that can mean that the picture is coming but it hasn't quite fully formed yet. Yeah. Your subconscious is working on something because not everything has to mean something at the time. Yeah. But, you know, that's this the a project or a concept that's a formulating at your 12-month point, it's just not fully formed yet. Yeah. And a lot of people struggle with a cup because it's really hard, especially hard, to read for yourself. It's one oh, of the hardest like, things in the world. I'd be like, oh, I can see Alain. Like I'd just be putting yep. in all my... <laughs> yeah. And it is the hard... Even reading for myself, I find that the most challenging. I can read for anybody, but myself I struggle. I asked you that yesterday. I was like, who reads for you? And you're like, well... I do occasionally. Yeah. It's just tricky. Oh. But it does it does take a lot of practice and eventually you the, the key pictures will jump out at you. Mm. It's like reading those blot images. Yeah. The blot pictures, that's a great way to start practising. Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> you are the best. And if people listening, and he's literally sitting here and just kind of like gazing as if imagining into a crystal ball and it is the leftover of my tea that I've drunk. There's these beautiful tea leaves or and it's completely different to my tea leaves yesterday that were kind of a mm. bit more um, scattered and... The sediment that the cup forms is the thing that you read. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what it's made of. It could be ground coffee. It could be, yeah. you know, um, whatever kind of residue you have from the beverage that you're drinking, 
You just need to make sure there's some kind of residue because otherwise you can't read it. But tea leaves are one of the most gentle divination art forms internationally. Like, who doesn't love a cup of tea? Dude, I love this so much. Oh, you've totally made my day. I'm excited about your duckling. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, yesterday I was like, um, no fertility. I called my point. I was like, don't worry, no fertility stuff came up, mate. <laughs> so with fertility pictures too, mm-hmm. this is a really good point to share with people because when you get a teacup, sometimes there'll be things in there that you're not necessarily ready for or you don't want Yeah. because a cup is just a guide. So if there's something like that, yep, we can take it as a nice nod. But then we can put it in a back pocket and, yeah. you know, leave it for another 12 months. If your cup, for example, said you're accidentally going to fall pregnant, you can take precautions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not set in stone. You said that yesterday. Yep. It's <laughs> yeah. possible to defer imagery and imagery will keep repeating until it happens. Mm. So you can push an image further away. You can bring it closer to you. Everything is a choice. And I love that about a teacup because you are in control of your subconscious. It's not the other way around. Yeah. No, I love it. But I, 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 this does bring some comfort to me because people will know listening to the podcast, I've always wanted to be mum but later in life. And yeah. so this brings me a little bit of like comfort yeah. as well. A little duckling. A little duckling. When you're ready for it, I used to have pet ducklings growing up. You I know? love ducklings. Oh, they're so cute. They get big though, mate. They <laughs> get so big. And we named ours Peking and Larange. Don't worry, we didn't Oh, that's them. adorable. Yep. Uh, but they got really aggressive towards me at the end. Like I, every Aww. time I walk outside, they'd just peck at my ankles, really. But they were so cute as babies. And yep. eventually mum's like, we have to give these guys away. They're so aggressive towards you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. They were massive, dude. Like I'm talking huge. Big ducks. Yeah, but as ducklings, yeah. cute. Mm. Another thing that baby ducks can symbolise, if we're absolutely certain that it's not about babies, because not not everything is about babies, right? Yeah. They can symbolise the birth of ideas. Yeah. The birth of business concepts. Yeah. Right? So we can use that in yeah. our, you know, in our favour as well. No, it's nice. It's really nice. It's And it's really nice for anybody listening. Like I have a lot of worry and I know I come across as very confident, but I get a lot of, I, I'm quite an overthinker about my future and I worry a lot. And that's why yesterday with the career stuff and a lot of the travelling, you're like, you're fine, yeah, calm you down. And so, and this is kind of like, I know this will happen after a lot of the travel and so that kind of, it all f- feels right. It's probably why it's the second cup that you've had because it's giving us a bit further into yeah. the future. You know? Yeah. We've had the career cup, we're on to the next one. Oh, so cool. And just to talk quickly about the career cup I got yesterday, it was... You're like, oh, my God. You're like, there's a whale with a house. You're migrating. And I was like, how does she know this? How does she know this? How does she know this? And I'm like, and we were talking about buying. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if I'm buying in Byron. I don't know if I'm buying overseas. You're like, probably both. Yep. Yeah. Definitely both, yeah. So it was re- it was just really it, and that's why I really was so excited to get you on the podcast because it was so reassuring to this overthinker to just be like, go with the flow a bit more, Lola, stop freaking out and, and just enjoy the journey that is. Like I wouldn't have thought two months ago with all the COVID stuff that you and I would be sitting here in a hotel room doing this podcast in real life. No, and yet my teacup was full of aeroplanes. You said that because you've so been to Perth, haven't you? Bit, yeah, I've been to Perth in the last couple of months as well and avoided everything, avoided lockdowns. Yeah. But my teacup showed me that that was there. My teacup has showed me some amazing things over my life, Lola. It showed me my husband. It showed me both my children. Wow. 
It showed me the the house that we bought, mm. right? Because we had two auctions in two hours on one day, and my cup said it was all going to work, and it did. Really? Yep. And it 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 showed me the tumor that I had when I was twenty two. You had a tumor. At I had a tumor at twenty two in my in my right ovary. And my cup showed me that and it kept reappearing and reappearing because sometimes cups give us health warnings, but we have to remember, not a diagnostician, right? Yes. You you go and get professional assistance. But my cup showed me these pictures over and over and over again and I ignored them Mm. because I thought, that's not me, you know, why is it there? Mm. And then by accident, you know, I hurt myself, had an x-ray and they found a tumour. Yeah. And then I was on a plane and in a specialist room and as soon as I had that tumour removed... The picture went away. In your teacup. Yep, because the image was dealt with. My subconscious had showed me what it needed to and then the next series of pictures appeared. So. So cool. At the end of a teacup reading, you often say to people, do you have any questions to ask? What's the most common question? Is it love? Well, actually the most common thing people say is, no, sorry, I don't have any questions. Thank you for answering them all. Right, totally. Which even, is really nice. <laughs> even when you offered it to us, I was like, okay, let's get yeah, think more quick. <laughs> I, have, I have a habit of answering the questions before they've been asked. But, yes, sometimes they are more often than not love-related because people often come for questions of the heart yeah, or for questions of where they're living or what they're aiming to achieve. But more often than not, those images will already be there and we've already talked about them. So... That's my that's the most satisfying element, I think, for oh. reading a cup. And I think also getting that call like a year later, okay, everything yeah. you said came to, let's do it again. So for people listening that are like, oh, my goodness, I need Annie in my life, you do do Zoom consults and Zoom yes. tea readings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put all of Annie's details in the show notes. She's got a website that you can book through, yep. um, Insta page, which is half Lego, half tea. Yep. Kind. It's a bit it of, sure is. It's a bit of both worlds. Uh, and I can't wait. I'm already like, when I'm in Melbourne, I'm wondering. How long are the courses when you teach them? So I teach a four-week course yeah, generally, which gives you all of the basics and all of the stuff that my great granny passed down. Mm. And I also do an extended course, which takes about 12 weeks. Yeah. And I've had some spectacular students over the years who now work with me and have their own practices as well. You said that because you said that tea leaf readers are quite rare. Yes, so it's one of it's one of the lost art forms, mm-hmm. which is why I was inspired to do my master's because, you know, co- coffee reading, there's a lot of that. But tea has been lost because it was such common practice. It was a British parlour game. You played with your friends while you were drinking tea. It was in Tetley's manuals and in advertising 200 years ago. So it, it, it got lost mm. because it, it died along with, you know, the beautiful women that practiced. Yeah. And so I wanted it to come back. Oh, well, mate, let's get this, <laughs> let's yeah. get this message out. Let's, let's make it come back. I really want to do your course. I really want to. Please I, do. Yeah, I really like, I'm so, and thank you for the beautiful cup and saucer you've gifted me as well. Um, you'll see photos of it all over my Instagram. <laughs> uh, but Thank you so, so much. A total honour to have you on the podcast today and I can't wait till our paths cross again. I'm sure they will. Me too. Yeah. Thank you, Lola. Thank you. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests and let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at yummo lolaberry. 
This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Spread the love.